I think I just live with guilt, which was interesting hearing you just talk, Elaine, because that was obviously where you were getting to in your life, which led to burnout and various other decisions. And it's something that, yeah, we need to be mindful of. Yeah, I'm always feeling guilty that I've left at 4.30 and left my team to finish something off, which has then meant that I'm still running late to get to childcare. And I'm then, you know, feeling guilty that they've had a longer day than what they... hope that they would have and then oh you know the list goes on I tell you again we're great list makers (laughs) so yeah now you can you know and you know you've already shared some practices that I'm certainly going to take away from today in terms of you know capturing those thoughts and journaling and trying to yeah change the dialogue but yeah it's something that I suspect a lot of our listeners feel too around yeah no matter what you're doing whether it's something for yourself or something for your kids or your career you feel bad about it Hello and welcome to Parenthood, conversations about life after kids. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every fortnight I will bring you discussions about the real and raw realities of parenting, life behind the Instagram filter. Join us as we laugh, cry and bond over the organised chaos that is parenthood. Hi everyone. For this week's Real Talk segment, which is the first for season three, Liv and I are chatting with Elaine Benson, who is a coach and is helping us shift our mindsets in lots of different areas of parenting. We thought it would be good to bring you this conversation right at the front of the season as we look at our New Year's resolutions and try and determine the best mindset and way forward for 2022. So let's get into the conversation. Hi, everyone. We are very excited to be bringing you Elaine Benson. Um, I'm here with Liv and Elaine now. Hi, ladies. Morning. G'day. So Elaine is a mindset coach um, who's very passionate and professionally trained to help us get clear on our desires and help us maximize our full potential in life. And she does use science-backed techniques in doing this. So we are super pumped to bring her some of our massive dilemmas at the moment (laughs) and get her to help us work through those. Um, I should mention that she's also a mum to Rory, a five-year-old boy, and Elaine is a originally from Ireland and now lives in Sydney. Elaine, why the move to Sydney? The sun. I lived in London for six years after university and um, it's very grey there. So I was like, I'll come for a year or two and get a bit of sun and I haven't left. So I love the lifestyle here and I love, love the weather. Liv, you can probably attest to that, having also lived in London. I I was just thinking, (laughs) uh, I lived in London for about 11 months and decided that that was enough grey for me and had to pack my bags and come home. Yeah. There is another big story that sits behind that that led to the birth of my two children. okay. For the most part, it was really the greyness of London. Yes. It was a great time, but I had to follow my heart back home to Melbourne. Oh, good, good. (laughs) You had a good excuse then. (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did, I did. 
Yeah. Um, so we've got three areas that we want to dive right into with you, Elaine. The first one is, and I think very common for a lot of us parents, is the imposter syndrome that we often feel, um, some of us more often than not. Liv, talk to us about your feelings around imposter syndrome. Oh, Elaine, I feel like I've perhaps lived with imposter syndrome or the anxiety that sits around that probably my whole life. Mm-hmm. So let me just describe what I understand imposter syndrome to be, yep. and you can correct me if that's true or not, yep. because that's probably going to be helpful for our listeners. So I understand it as really the inability to believe that your success is deserved um, and, you know, is legitimate, I guess, off the back of all of your hard work and your skill. Is that about right? Yeah, 100%. It's like this feeling of inadequacy and self-doubt. And yeah. it tends to emerge predominantly like during transition periods and when you're at the edge or totally out of your comfort zone. So it does come up obviously in work, but of course it's going to come up in parenting as well, because as a parent, you're uh, learning on the job, you know? You feel like a bit of a fraudster. Exactly. (laughs) You're just waiting to be found out. Yeah. And as you said, just something as career mum, you know, career women, mums, it seems that females perhaps seem to struggle with it a lot more. Yeah, it is actually very predominantly um, a female um, sort of issue, but it's, it's definitely changing because um, people are with, I guess, with social media and all the information that we have available now, it's kind of a double-edged sword because mm. we we have a lot more um, opportunity for comparing ourselves to others and being told how to parent. But then on mm. the other side of that, we also have a lot of information coming out to also help us parent um, <clears throat> and feel better in ourselves and look after ourselves as well. Um, mm. And like the psychological research that um, around imposter syndrome suggests that like we're not very good at evaluating our own skills accurately and we either drastically overestimate or underestimate ourselves. And this is called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And, you know, like people who know very little about a subject tend to have the most overconfidence. And you can think of like Donald Trump for this example. (laughs) (laughs) And people who know, who tend to have a lot less confidence um, about something usually are totally adept at that thing. Mm -hmm. So what can you do, I suppose? So instead of thinking like, like it's a job that you're about to enter and you need to know exactly what you're about to do or you should know this or you should do that. Treat it more like, you know, university or school. You are a student. You are learning just like the child is. And approaching parenthood with more of that curiosity gives you the space to learn as you go. So having that sort of compassion for yourself as well. Yeah. Just seems we're so good at yeah being overly critical of ourselves, even though we know we have, you know, healthy, happy, safe, loved babies. Mm. On the flip side, we're then giving ourselves a hard time. And Lee and I have spoken a lot about this in some of the previous podcast episodes of, you know, but my baby's not sleeping or baby's not eating or the toddler's not eating three serves of food or he hadn't terrible nappy rash and that baby doesn't have terrible nappy rash. Mm. Why is my kid hitting his head against the brick oh, wall? I know. And, you know, we, we're, we're so good at making these lists of all the things that aren't working yeah. or that we feel that we're doing wrong rather than 
looking at the overall picture of look how happy and safe and beautiful my child is. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing to kind of, yeah, get your head around and try and get your mind straight. Yeah, it is. And the mindset straight. And the approach that I um, help people with and that I've used with massive success for myself is like actually um, writing down those stories, those false stories that are making you feel like shit and making you feel anxious and in the comparison trap. And like, the thing is as well, is that you want to grab a journal, a piece of paper and actually allow yourself to get all the mind drama out. You know, all this, the thing, things that you think are psycho that you're thinking, get it out on paper because it's, once you have it out on paper, you can evaluate it objectively. And then you can sort of look at it and go, can I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is true? And it's usually a no. And you can also rewrite those thoughts that are constantly um, coming up um, because our emotions, like the, the, the neuroscience of it, is that every emotion, whether you believe it or not, is triggered first by a thought. There's no emotion that comes in without a thought first. And our brains are artifacts of the past. And we have millions of thoughts a day. And it's the thoughts that we believe that make a difference. And parenting is such a a personal thing because like your child, you feel like your child is a reflection of you. So you, it really kind of cuts deep when you (laughs) are feeling like you're not hitting the mark, Mm. you know? So Mm. you can't pick your thoughts and just knowing as well that like your thoughts happen to you, like digestion, like they just happen and they're just visitors that come and go. So like part of something that I'm going to touch on later in self-care is reparenting ourselves. And part of that is doing the more challenging things, like identifying the stories that aren't serving you any longer and rewriting those stories. So if our thoughts always um, inform our emotions, our emotions then inform our behaviors. And so Mm -hmm. this thought that, you know, I'm guilty about something or I'm not living up to the standard that I um, wish how does that make you feel? Well, it makes you feel shit. How does it make you act? Well, you know, you, well, how does it make you act? Not well. Yeah. <laughs> it actually well, just, you, yeah. Even yeah. just bringing that to life. Like I, at the moment, one of my biggest qualms and it's like such a minor thing, but my, our boys have been eating chicken nuggets and fish fingers for dinner for the oh, last yeah. Six days I in think, a row. I think my son eats toast, like beige yeah. food. Same. <laughs> and I'm like, Tommy's just had wheat bits yeah, for yeah. seven nights straight. So yeah. it's all I'm good. Like, Is that nutritious? And like when I was growing up, we would never have gotten away with, you know, having the same meal and, and refusing meals. And now I must be a bad parent because I'm letting my kids refuse meals. And I'm giving them fish fingers and that can't be good for their diet. And what does that mean about me as a parent? And what's happening yes, to their stomach? Yes. So, you know, and then, and then guess what? I'm thinking and being so emotional around it as you said that it leads me to being what more grumpy with the kids because my behavior then is I'm agitated so just you know I don't have patience so it's interesting what you're saying Elena it just like transitions from what's in your head to how you act yeah so getting so intentional about um rewriting what that 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 cycle of thoughts in your head um with the writing, yeah. is it something that you recommend that you do regularly or you just do at the peak of feeling the, you know, the anxiety or the anger? Yeah, you can. I guess it depends on yeah, what comes naturally. Do you have a suggestion? Yeah, so like initially 
because it's a something that you're that many people might be learning initially mm. um do it as an intentional practice maybe once a day you do some journaling for a few weeks um often um it's good to do it in the moment as well if you can like to get all that mind drama out so you can really because when so when you're in when you're emotional and you're feeling grumpy or emotional or stressed that's when your unconscious mind starts to surface and those thoughts that comparison all that starts to come up so it's good to get that out in the moment if you can if you can't it's okay so after a while though you will get used to doing this practice um and you can actually do it in the moment so essentially like you will feel okay this anxiety of them not eating well is making me anxious and now I'm grumpy and I'm comparing and blah blah, blah. so what's going to serve me better here what do I want to think instead um they are they're getting the nutrition they need. They re- they're eating something. They're eating something. <laughs> so it, you'll get used to rewriting those thoughts in the moment and go, you know yeah. what? They are eating, at least they're eating something. Every kid goes through this. It's very normal. And science actually shows that kids need to see uh, a food type a uh, hundred times before they'll accept it. So keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and putting the food on the plate, like putting the broccoli on the plate. They'll tell you they hate it a hundred times. And then, mm-hmm. and then they'll be like, Oh my God, baby trees, you know, yeah. uh, and <laughs> after like six months of killing your life. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. It's so true. I mean, with practice, um, being able to catch yourself in the moment is sort of where you want to get to. Mm. Um, if we change tact a little bit, um, let's talk more about ourselves as, as um, parents and in our case as mothers. So one thing that I know a lot of people have struggled with and same with myself is that whole journey around, okay, so I've been pregnant. I felt gross. I mean, some people loved it, you know, yeah. good on them, but yeah. certainly wasn't myself. <laughs> I feel yuck. My body's been invaded. Now I've got this beautiful child and now my body's changing again. I'm breastfeeding, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to and if that's the way you want to go. And um, that's good because I'm losing a few calories, happy days. I still don't really feel myself. And then down the track, it's, oh, God, now I've got this baby weight to lose and I just I feel gross and I'm so touched out and I'm just like, hubby, please, you know, step aside. I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like all the step things, aside. right, all the feelings, mm. step aside, <laughs> all the feelings. You don't feel like yourself for so long. And I know that journey for me has been the last, I mean, my little one's three now, so probably four years of just mm. feeling so gross and finally I only more recently have I started to feel a little bit more like my pre-baby self you know have you know a bit more you know feeling a bit more sexy in my body you know sex Mm. drivers sort of started coming back you know all those Mm. sort of things that you lose along the way so you know how can we help ourselves during that process I mean first of all you know, take the stress out of it um, and and also just switch our mindsets around feeling better in our bodies, whatever stage we're at and however we may look. I don't know, any guidance around that? For sure. Look, um, becoming, uh, like, becoming a mother and birthing a child and then, you know, being a mom, that is the biggest um biological spiritual emotional political shift identity shift that anyone can go through and it's actually called matriescence um i'm not sure if you've heard of that term um but basically it's very similar to puberty 
your body changes drastically very and that includes your brain and so your identity and then like you know you're looking after little ones and you um can't it's it's difficult to try and um see a separate identity to that person and your relationship's different everything's different right um and now like in our modern times like it's amazing like we are uh more empowered and and, and this um equality is getting better but you know, back in the day, like uh, many of our moms didn't work. They didn't have a lot of the pressures that we have today. Um, so realizing that you've gone through this and not treating it lightly and not expecting yourself to actually go back to who you were, because you'll never be that person again. Like your body and your brain has completely changed. And realizing as well that the only constant in life is change. So yes, when the kids are small, um, it's difficult to feel like you have a separate identity. You think you're never going to, you know, have sex again. You think you, you know, you, you hate your partner. <laughs> like we've all gone through that. Um, so, but knowing that that will pass, like the, the early years are tough and they're even tougher now because like we're, we're juggling careers as well. Um, but it will pass. And the main, I guess the main thing I tell my clients is finding yourself again, bit by bit, by focusing on self-care and self-care, you know, is many of the tips related to self-care are externally focused, meaning, you know, they have an emphasis that's outside the brain body connection. So going to a spa, taking a week off from work, um, going for a wine with your friends excellent part of self-care still do those things but we also need to be doing the internal self-care um which you know could be a decision to see um a, a coach or a therapist so that you can address recurring toxic thoughts it could be a decision to be more disciplined and prioritize your mental health and put your happiness over your history i guess you can feel confident and free and therefore sexy by spending some time cultivating those inner practices and giving yourself the space to do that, which I can talk about a bit in a minute, but things like meditation, things like that calm the nervous system because no one, you know, you don't, you don't feel sexy when you're stressed. So meditation, mm. mindfulness, mindful breathing, it's a life changer. And then there's also something called um, behavioral activation therapy. So we know that thoughts uh, um, give us our emotions, which give us our behaviors, but you can actually do it backwards as well. And it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Okay. So it's like your behavior affects your emotions, which then affects your thoughts. So things like caring for yourself, having a bubble bath, getting dressed up and, um, you know, buying a beautiful new dress or something or putting high heels on, even though you're working from home or I don't know, whatever floats your boat, but know that like, this is, um, something that you can do as well. Mm, it's so true. I mean, I think about it. Um, I made a decision, I don't know, maybe six months ago that I was going to, I mean, and the hardest thing is carving out the time. I should say that first and foremost, particularly with young children, you know, Liv and I are both very career focused, you know, we yeah. love to see our friends, but we've got two under three, like it's a lot, right? Mm. So first of all, carving out the time. But then secondly, six months ago, I said, all right, I'm going to just try and run a little bit more. That mm. was my action. I still felt disgusting. I still didn't feel myself. And then I just 
ran when I could, tried to mm. cut out the time. Sometimes I'd miss, other times I'd make it. And it's amazing that just keep kind of keeping that in the forefront of my mind as my self-care activity mm. has led to me now down the track. And it's always a bit of a delay, I find as well. It's not like you immediately go for that run and then from then on you're like, I'm back, like yeah. it takes time. <laughs> but eventually you you notice changes in your body, you notice changes in your mindset because you've allowed yourself that time to I meditate while running for me it's like putting on house music blasting it and yeah. zoning out the world and just like running that's my meditation yeah um and then you know as you said then the the, the better thoughts will follow I don't know Liv like have you found as well like it's hard right to find the time what do you do and is there something that you do for your self-care there, it's funny, you know, I've sat on this podcast many a time to attest that I have or haven't gone for a run. I am that person. But I have, here I am again. <laughs> 2022, guys. New Last me. week I did. That is, I am a, res, I am a resolution girl and I do tend to stick with it when I feel really, yeah, strong minded about it. And I do because I know that things in my world aren't working as seamlessly and I'm not as healthy and happy as, I could be, want to be, I guess, ultimately. Mm. So what I have just committed to myself is some level of consistency mm. in whether that is, yeah, picking up journaling or for, you know, the whole of January it's just been exercise mm. because I enjoy it mm. and I know I want to do it. And I haven't been able to get out every single day. But last week I just, because the weather was so hot and beautiful, I went for a walk at the end of each day mm. and I was like, this is what I have been missing, just mm. something to, yeah, separate you know, the work from home life and just yeah. catch my breath at the end of the day and then silently yeah, read a book and go to bed, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'll go back to my tattoo if I was ever going to get get one. Nothing's going to change unless you change something, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's kind of the philosophy that, yeah, I think we choose to apply when, and it's certainly my behaviour, I have to reach tipping point for mm, me to change same. something. So yeah. I never catch myself before it's too late. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just have always been terrible at that. So that's what we're trying to change at the moment. Yeah. And so how do, what do you say, Elaine, to those, you know, the, the women and um, parents listening who are like, yeah, all sounds great. Meditate in the morning. Yeah. yeah no no yeah. dramas. Who has freaking time for that? You, do you know, like, and I, and I say that as well because I used to meditate a lot. I, um, yeah. and then I had children and I'm like, if I'm getting up early, I'm smashing out as much work as I possibly can before my kids wake up. Cause yeah. I may only have 15 minutes before someone wakes up. I can't be spending five minutes minutes or those 15 minutes meditating like that's my mm. internal dialogue so what would you say Elaine to that so what I generally say is that um self-care which encompasses you know lots of areas um is a completely selfless act so um no one benefits when you're burnt out and resentful and you don't have the time. So you have people who rely on you. And so the way I kind of try to frame it is like me not taking this time for myself is actually selfish because I know when I uh, don't do my meditation, like I'm, you know, very like got the blinkers on and I'm, I'm grumpy and overwhelmed. So and again, like doing your self-care, like it can be, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, The Miracle Morning. It's by Hal Elrod. And it's about, there's like six practices or something. But he says, if you if you have very shortened time, 
you do one minute meditation, one minute journaling, one minute writing your gratitudes, and you're done in six minutes. So you can fit that in. The other thing I say is if you can, and I appreciate that uh, many people can't, but if you can pay for your village and buy your time, because we don't have the village that we used to have back in the day, pay for a cleaner each week, pay for a meal delivery service, uh, pay for a laundry service uh, and use that time to actually, you know, meditate, run, whatever it is um, that, that, that makes you feel like you've got the headspace because often it's the space that we need um, in our head and in our lives. And, and doing things like that can give us space. Other things that can give us space is we all know, but turning off the phone, coming in at 5 p.m. and maybe turning the phone off and putting it in a drawer till 8 o'clock. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm just like everybody else. It's extremely um, addictive. I go to look at my phone to like look up a recipe and I'm like needy in 10 minutes in TikTok. You oh. know? So. Yeah. Or the work creep too. Because oh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm the person that if I see there's any unread emails in any of my inboxes, I will have a break. So I have to look at every email yeah. that's sitting there, even if it's 10 past 10 at night, yeah. which then affects my sleep because yeah. I'm stressing about the resignation I just received mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah, there are some of these behaviours that you've just got to call, you know, be more mindful and aware of and then stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and, and to uh, your point, Elaine, as well, around the paying for to allow yourself to have that time. So I really struggled with that. So mm-hmm. particularly... Um, when I had, so I've got a, I've got a relatively a good level of flexibility with my work. I've got a very demanding job. I work in property as a property developer, mm. but I can kind of, you know, tee up my day as I wish. And what that means is I actually start work really early in the morning mm. at like five thirty, but I finished a little bit earlier. So, mm. um, but and so when I had two under you know, three or whatever, you know, um, they're only 18 months apart, my little ones. I was like, great, I'll just have a nanny for the first, you know, five hours of the day. And then I've got the kids for the other half of the day. Mm. And what would I do of those five hours? I wouldn't say, oh, good. So one of those hours can be for me to go for a run. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to jam pack as much work as I possibly can, Mm. because I feel guilty to use even 20 minutes of those paid five hours on myself. Mm. And over time, that's been really tough for me and something, again, it's our upbringing. It's, you know, I was brought up in a family where you work your ass off. Mm. Self-care is a luxury that we can't afford, Mm. quite frankly. Uh, You know, that's Mm. that when I was young, that was the mentality because my family were very much kind of, you know, driven to try and build something and they came from nothing, right? So to try and change that, even though I know I can afford an extra $20 for the nanny for Mm. one extra hour, you know, it's really, really hard to do. And Mm. with time, I'm getting better at it. And as Mm. the kids are a bit older, they're in daycare, so they're longer hours and I'm able to factor in a little bit more me time. But it's interesting, isn't it? It makes so much rational sense what you're saying, how important (laughs) it is for us to look after ourselves. And yet I'm there going, I don't want to pay 20 extra dollars for that one (laughs) extra hour so that I can be happy, you know. Or I know I should stop that behavior, but I just can't help myself. Right. Okay. So this amazing um, analogy that I use. Okay. Uh, Actually, I learned it from my uh, mentor, Paul Alessio. But basically, um, you wake up Monday morning and you're like, (laughs) um, okay, this week I'm totally eating healthy because it was like takeouts all last week. 
So you wake up and you're, you're um, like, I'm totally eating healthy, right? And just imagine your mind as um, a boat, a boat, okay? A ship on the sea. And your conscious mind is the captain. And your unconscious mind, which is responsible for 98% of our behaviors, our values, our beliefs, and our attitudes, our unconscious mind is the boat, the, sh- the sails, and all the crew. So you're like, you're the captain and you're like, we're going to Salad Island. And they're, and, but the boat starts going this way. And you're like, no dudes, like Salad Island. But the boat is going to Tim Tam Island because <laughs> the boat, the, your unconscious mind only knows the directions, the way to get to Tim Tam Island. And in that, in that example, and, and that's an analogy that I use, but in, in, in our situations, and it was my situation, it no, like, it no longer is, is that I realized that there was unconscious beliefs and unconscious behaviors that were perhaps modeled for me by society or my caregivers that led me to believe that I had to be perfect, that I had to, um, you know, um, do anything and every, like be absolutely everyone for my kids. Um, and that left me burnt out and resentful. So I guess what you can do is um, like hypnotherapy is great for kind of surfacing those unconscious beliefs, behaviors and all that. So that's a good tip. So, yeah, I think as exactly to your point, um, there's a lot of stuff from our unconscious, our history, all of that, that even though rationally in today's day and age, we're like, that makes no bloody sense. Yeah. I can afford the 20 bucks for the name. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it sounds like you've got to really identify those things that are holding you back mm. so that you can kind of, you know, get that boat heading in the right direction ultimately. Mm. Um, I want to touch on one last one, which is around the guilt that we often and feel, particularly as working mothers, mm. in, you know, being, spending time away from our children. And it's funny because, I don't know, I find it such a cocktail of emotions, this whole parenting thing, because when we're with our kids, I don't know, Liv, you could probably attest to this where, you you know, you've been with them for a couple of hours and you're like, dude, I, like there's other things I really want to do. <laughs> like, love you guys, but yeah. like, bring stuff out now. I don't know. <laughs> But then when you're at work, you're like, oh, Jesus, now I've got to make sure I'm back on time because of the kiddies and, you know, I don't know, Liv, do you often have that sort of battle? Oh, I just life? feel guilty all the goddamn time. <laughs> like I think I just live with guilt, which yeah. is interesting hearing you just talk, Elaine, because that was obviously where you were getting to in your life, which led to burnout and various other decisions. And it's something that, yeah, we need to be mindful of. Yeah, I'm always feeling mm. guilty that I've left at 4.30 and left my team to finish something off, which has then meant that I'm still running late to get to childcare and I'm then, you know, feeling guilty that they've had a longer day than mm. what they what they'd hoped that they would have. And then, oh, God, you know, the list goes on. I tell you, again, great <laughs> list makers. <laughs> so, yeah, now you can, you know, and, you know, you've already shared some practices that I'm certainly going to take away from today in terms of, cap, you know, capturing those thoughts and journaling and trying to, yeah, change the dialogue. Yeah. But, yeah, it's something that I suspect a lot of our listeners feel too around, yeah, no matter what you're doing, whether it's something for yourself or something for your kids or your career, yeah. you feel bad about it. Yeah. And, like, having... Can't win. <laughs> Having those emotions actually, um, it's not, I mean, we're, we have a range of emotions and that, that's fine, but 
like having an emotion that um, is a constant that we don't address, it's actually can be damaging to the, to the, to the cells of our body. So you're like, Oh my God, not only am I guilty, but now I'm actually damaging myself, you know, like, so, <laughs> so what I want to say, <laughs> what a bloody now, shit show. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness I'm going to the pub after this. I That's know. All I can thank say. God. <laughs> thank God it's Friday or Saturday afternoon. So the thing is, right, is that it's the it's the thoughts and the so knowing the thoughts affect your emotions and then affect your behavior. The thing you want to do in those situations is look at okay, what am I thinking here? What am I actually thinking? Oh, that I'm I'm late and I'm letting these people down, and letting those people down. Um, and those emotions then are causing, or that those thoughts are then causing you to feel guilty, which isn't serving your body. But not only that, it's not serving you and it's not serving anyone else because how are you then showing up? Okay. So what a really good tool that I use on the daily, which really helped me was reframing. So essentially changing the meaning of a situation by reinterpret, reinterpreting it in a more result, resourceful way. So changing how we think about a situation by looking at it from a different frame. Um, and it's basically like sort of purposefully re, um, neglecting the negative aspect of things like shit, I'm late to pick up the kids, like uh, this always happens or whatever. And instead catching yourself, giving yourself a moment, putting your hand on your heart and actually saying, I'm doing the best I can and the best is good enough. And then reframing um, that thought, okay? Well, actually, this is a great time for me to be on the roads because the traffic isn't so bad. And they actually got to hang out with their best mate for the last, you know, half an hour. Mm-hmm. And um, I and they didn't want to come home. Yeah. <laughs> I had to drag them out. I oh, know. <laughs> exactly. Mm, so yeah, reframing yeah. is a strategy that's really easy to do. It's really, it's really going to help you find peace of mind and improve Mm. your emotional life. And it makes dealing with ups and downs of life easier because you don't want to be on this emotional roller coaster all the time, Mm. you know, Mm. get off the emotional roller coaster and throw away that badge of honor. That isn't a badge of honor, mom guilt, and actually Mm. start to reframe it so that you can go, okay, well, what's perfect about this situation? What is perfect about this shitty situation that I can make it good? Mm. I love that one. Game changing. You have been game changing for me. This, you have entered my life at the time when I needed you most. Oh, Thank you, Elaine. I'm so glad. <laughs> so, and same with me. I'm very curious, Elaine, why the switch to being a coach? Because obviously, and we'll um, certainly be putting details about your business in the episode notes as well. But I want to hear a little bit about your business and I want to hear about what drove you to want to be a coach. Yeah, so I worked in um, corporate advertising, uh, digital advertising, web development, um, and for 15 years, climbed the corporate ladder um, and loved it. But as soon as I had a kid, I was like, oh, Jesus, I can't work till 11 o'clock at night anymore. Um, So when the pandemic hit, and I know the pandemic was difficult for a lot of people, but it was actually a wake up call for a lot of people too, Mm -hmm. because it gave us the opportunity and a little bit more time and space to actually reflect on what matters to us Mm -hmm. and 
And a lot of the time it gave us more time to see our kids spend with our kids in the morning without rushing them through things and rushing and, and rushing ourselves through things. Mm-hmm. So it gave me that time and space. And I, I, I truly believe that things happen for a reason. Um, I, previous to that, I had a business called Soberhood, which was helping uh, women give up alcohol. And I, um, and I joined a women in business mastermind and just seeing and being surrounded by those sort of driven, um, women and seeing the tools that they were using, um, like neuro-linguistic programming, like hypnotherapy and all the, all the, uh, strategies I've given you today, it just completely blew my mind open. And I was like, okay, so if I'm in charge of my life and I'm responsible for my life, and I'm responsible for the way I show up in my life, then I can't sort of be a victim to my past anymore. So I decided to kind of, and and I always say like, whatever happened to you or whatever behaviors and and values and attitudes that you picked up, it's not your fault. Absolutely not. But it is your responsibility to evolve that now. And so I went on that journey of evolving that. I retrained, uh, uh, got a master's in coaching and hypnotherapy, and I started um, using it on the side, I suppose, helping my friends and started seeing like really insane results. Because when you make change at the unconscious level, it's 200 times more effective because obviously 98% of your reality is a reflection of what's going on inside. So I, my job then got increasingly um, difficult to to, be, to stay at, um, which is the universe kind of saying, dude, <laughs> follow, follow this path. So um, I, I left my job and, and started doing this full time. And now, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that um, I'm doing something, I'm doing something every day that I absolutely love, um, helping people change their lives. But also, I have the time now to kind of go to the beach or go to the gym in the middle of the day and, and, and then have that flexibility, you know, by intent. And it's not, it hasn't been easy. Um, but uh, intentionally, I suppose, creating a life of my design is, is very exciting. And I suppose if you're encouraging your clients to do the same, I mean, you've got to, you've got to be (laughs) leading the charge on that, right? Like, so who would your clients predominantly be? It's predominantly women and it's predominantly women who are very driven, uh, very ambitious and basically you two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I think I might be a new client. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll sign up after. <laughs> I'll give you a discount. Um, yeah, driven, ambitious women who, and generally with kids because they're, they're having this sort of identity shift, but also, um, they're starting to see that um, they're being so hard on themselves, um, having no compassion and um, not not like making themselves do things that they wouldn't ask their best friend to do, you know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah. it's starting to help them reparent themselves. Um, and that's essentially giving yourself um, what you may not have received in childhood or what you need now. And it can be things like obviously self-care, but it's emotional regulation as well, like calming your nervous system. Um, something that we don't do at all, which is joy and play as adults, you know. Um, and 
and loving self-discipline. So again, that's going for the run or doing the journaling, but it's having flexibility around that. Okay, I didn't go at 5 a.m., but I'm going to go at 5 p.m. or I didn't go today. That's okay. I'm going to go tomorrow. So that sort of loving self-discipline. I love that there are people like yourself out there. I think, I, I mean, you would agree, Liv, this is such a needed thing. Oh, so powerful. Honestly. So powerful. Just, yeah, I, no doubt this is exactly what people like Lee and I <laughs> yeah. hit the nail on the head right there. You know, the guilt that we're living, it's just such a heavy load exactly. to wear and it's not sustainable. No. And yeah, we've got to address it mm. all as a group and yeah. support each other through it. So yeah, to Lee's point, thankfully we've got people like you to mm. coach us through it. Well, Absolutely. So as I said, I'll put your details on the in the episode notes. However, what is the easiest way for people to reach out to you? Is it via your website? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. at a www.iamelainebenson.com and I'm Elaine Benson on um, Instagram and TikTok as well. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Elaine. I think we've both gotten a whole heap out of this mm. therapy session with you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. Now go and drink a big glass of water and uh, put, your, uh, put your feet in the in, in the grass and then go to the pub. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks absolutely. again, Elaine. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. Want to be part of the Parenthood community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Parenthood Pod. Now I'll let you get back to the organized chaos. Until next time.